everyone. This is Alexandra Perry, and you're listening to Investing After Hours. I am here with Christian DeHamer, one of our editors. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem. I know that I kind of, I emailed you and I was like, you know, do you want to come on to the podcast and talk about Bitcoin? Because that's been something that we've been talking about a lot in the office. And um, I wanted to get an expert's view on where it's going, whether, you know, Bitcoin is tapped out, you shouldn't even be looking at it as a digital currency anymore, and um, what you personally have experienced with buying it. So I guess my first question is, how did you get involved with Bitcoin? Because I know you've made a little bit of money on it now, haven't you? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. We're up over 100%, perhaps 150% since we bought over the summer. Um, I am an editor of Bubble and Bust Report, which is a um, an entry-level uh, investment newsletter that, uh, that has the basic uh, philosophy that the Federal Reserve causes these investment cycles that go from boom to bust. And uh, currently, we are uh, at the end of a of a bull cycle, and uh, so we're buying some things to protect for the coming bust, things like gold and farmland and Bitcoin, as a matter of fact. So now, where does Bitcoin enter this sphere? I've actually I've had it heard it compared to gold, like Bitcoin is the new gold. Um, would you say that's a safe thing to say, or? Well, well, sure. Like uh, gold, you know. Well, it sort of comes down to what is a currency. You know, is it, you know, shells or trade beads or you know, the stones of app. But uh, you know, like gold, uh, Bitcoin is anonymous. It can be traded, uh, you know, anywhere in the world. Uh, it's a storehouse of value, so it is very synonymous with gold. It, you know, and also you can keep it without uh, reporting it to the government, things of that nature. And it is. Finite. So that's one of the strengths that I've been learning about Bitcoin is that it kind of caps out. Like like when we left the gold standard in 1930, I think it was, um, you know, we can now make money without anything to back it. But Bitcoin, there can only be so much at a time. Yes, that, that's true. Uh, it's a deflationary product because the more that's made, the harder it is to make more. So the further it goes along in time, the fewer Bitcoins are produced. So in that way, if you assume that the earth has X amount of gold, then some point we'll reach that point where, you know, the mines are now two miles deep and the cost of getting gold out is increasingly more expensive. And so that puts a natural value, a scarcity value on both Bitcoin and gold. So I know that how you get Bitcoin is Bitcoin mining, which requires specialized software. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know if you would know that. I, well, you know, without going into the, you know, the nerdy specifics, all you, ha- all you need to know is Bitcoin is uh, produced and the two major costs are computer systems. And as more Bitcoins are mined, the, the formulas you have to solve using your computers get ever more difficult and complex and require more energy. So the closer you are to a cheap energy source, the, the better, are, better off you are as a miner. So it's the energy source that costs the money. Like once you have the technology, you can keep using that same technology to mine Bitcoin. And you're just- Well, you need a more powerful and more powerful computer. So one of the side effects of Bitcoin uh, mining is it produces ever more sophisticated computers used to mine Bitcoins. But the one fixed cost is energy to run these servers, these massive servers. You need to mine Bitcoin. 
And I, I know that like in the beginning, people used to be able to mine Bitcoin on like say the laptop that we have for recording. This is just a standard MacBook Pro, and now it's we've probably passed that point. Like this computer is not powerful enough to get Bitcoin. Yeah, we, they're specialized. <laughs> uh, like Venezuela, as a matter of fact, because they have subsidized energy. Uh, there's massive Bitcoin mining there. There's there's big, big stuff in uh, next to the dams in China. Um, so it, it's it's all professional now. You can't mine Bitcoin. I always wanted to wake <laughs> up and just mine. Like, oh yeah, I made a thousand dollars with breakfast. But uh, <laughs> I know that one of the the things that originally drew me to Bitcoin is from the technology perspective. It is a decentralized currency, but it's also very stable. Like it lacks um, some of the weaknesses that our current currency system has, because it exists on blockchain, which I'm still kind of struggling to wrap my head around. Um, I didn't know if you had any thoughts of that. I know that it's kind of the foundation of all digital currencies now. Yeah, well, this is the revolutionary bit about Bitcoin is this blockchain technology. And so what a block is, is a, is a uh, bunch of data, a collection of data is called a block. And what happens is each time you make a transaction, that chunk of data saying what the transaction is, is attached to the previous block of data from the previous transaction. So every so what it does is it keeps a permanent and constantly evolving record that everybody who wants to can see of exactly what the transactions were. So you have a block chain. So it's an un, un, uninterrupted uh, self-auditing system. And it's public, right? Anybody can see any transaction, but the people can remain anonymous. Correct. Okay. So the community polices itself in a way and also the technology uh, polices itself. So if, you know, Bitcoin is the currency of the people, I've heard that thrown around and I kind of like that. Um, do you think there will ever become a point where people, you know, are kind of dissatisfied with that? You know, you can be anonymous with Bitcoin. So like you could have people in there that are just raking in huge sums and it's open to the public ne record. So we're like, it's removing the banks. Well, that's what's great about it is it's, uh, you know, it's it's one step closer to a true free market. You know, the, the banks, you know, they charge you fees for everything. They could instantly cash your check, but they sit on it for three days, you know, to collect that little bit of interest, you know. But and, you know, the Federal Reserve, there's collusion, there's, you know, rent seeking, there's there's all the problems you have with every major financial institution. And where you have this, you know what you're paying. You do pay a little bit of a fee. It's like 1%. And, uh, but it's all there. You get, you know, you get your, you get your Bitcoin. It's, and you can sell your Bitcoin. And, you know, um, all over the place. Uh, you know, there's credit cards now that'll convert your Bitcoin into, you know, cash or, you know, uh, iPhone gift cards or, or whatnot. And, um, do you think with Brexit, we'll see Bitcoin more adopted in the European Union? I've read, I've read a lot of stories about like small German districts of Berlin that are using Bitcoin as a like predominant currency. It's almost like they're protecting themselves because they don't trust their government's currency. Well, I do know we've seen uh, when there's uh, they try in, in India, they try to keep uh, all the big currency notes like our $50, $100 bill. They pulled the, the rubles, the rubles. They pulled their currency off the market, and Bitcoin in India doubled like almost overnight. There's also uh, problems with China instituting a, 
the Chinese, rich Chinese, want to get their money out of China because of uh, the RMBs deflating. They want to put it in the U.S., you know, and they want to buy Vancouver real estate and all this. And one way they can do this and avoid, you know, the authorities is put it in Bitcoin. And, of course, more people chasing after a smaller finite number of bitcoins it drives the price up and that's what we've been seeing so using that logic and that precedent and sure it makes sense that brexit if it's followed by you know the italians leaving or the czechs or or what have you you could see the destruction of the euro and bitcoin could you know absolutely double triple go on a rampage i just wonder if sometimes that will be the spark like there's got to be something that's going to drive people away from paper currency and i think we've seen this kind of like underbrewing distrust of banks for the past hundred years like you know you have people that are taking their savings entirely out of banks and won't refuse to use them so i'm wondering if brexit will impact the use of bitcoin and then you know what will it mean for our global economy i think there there's a certain segment of the population that same segment that you know builds bunkers and buys ak-47s and you know make sure they have a safe full of uh cougarans they're gonna, they can and are, you know, on Bitcoin. You got it out there. And I know that it's kind of like, if Bitcoin is not the winning digital currency, it's certainly, you know, spun off a lot of other currencies that are a little bit faster and a little bit better, a little bit more organized. So it's not the end all, but as a whole, I know that digital currencies are kind of a hot topic of debate for whether or not you should invest in them. What do you think about investing in them? Like, is this something you should be allotting a lot of your portfolio to? Is it kind of a more high risk investment? No, I mean, obviously, we've seen massive volatility in Bitcoin. It went from, you know, nothing to 1,000, back to 200, and now it's back up to 1,180, I think, today. Um, I like it. I'm a, I'm a, it has the first mover advantage. It has, the, uh, it has things that drive um, big-time stocks like Netflix or, you know, Google. Or It's an innovative, innovative product that, that really... Uh, has no fixed upside i mean it has it can go as high as it'll go but the flip side of this is there's all sorts of speculation because it was an anonymous product created by uh you know nobody really knows who there's some speculation that the conspiracy guys will say it was created by the cia to entrap you know (laughs) global uh drug smugglers and whatnot and you know Nobody really knows, so there's inherent risk to it. So, I would I would say it's uh, you play with it with your fun money at this point. I think it's interesting that I was um, reading about Bitcoin was involved with a kind of under the blankets uh, trafficking website called Silk Road, and right. it was you know being used as the main currency to conduct these illegal transactions. And because people are anonymous, it took a while for them to track everyone down. I don't think they ever did like fully track all the users of the site down. They found the founder um, and he's in jail. But you, you know, you wonder like if these small publicity hiccups will kind of doom Bitcoin if it's just not strong enough to stand on its own. I was wondering if that affects the volatility or if it's, you know, I've also heard the argument that people do illegal things with cash and we still deal with cash every day, so. That's true. I mean, fundamentally, at its essence, I don't think uh, Bitcoin is any any different than than gold or or cash or you know. I mean, what's it what's it backed by is a full faith and credit, you know. But it's it's backed by the full th- faith and credit of all the transactions that went before it, right? So, for it to become worthless, it has to 
everybody who's ever traded it has to decide it's worthless. You and know, then sell in mass. And then sell in mass, right? Do you see that happening? Or no, do I don't see that happening. Not, I'm much more inclined to think it'll be worth in in ten years it'll be worth twenty, thirty thousand dollars than I am to think it'll be worth you know nothing. Because if it if it goes bad, it'll be worth nothing. So there's a risk. I mean, there's inherent risk. It's it's a moonshot, you know. But it's a you know, it's a pretty good moonshot. <laughs> I just think I was talking to somebody yesterday. I'm like, I'm just worried that one day everyone's going to be like, man, I have 10 Bitcoins and they're not $5 anymore. They're 1500 I'm going to sell them and then boop, right back down. If it's just that reoccurring cycle. Yeah, but somebody already bought it at 11 you know, or 1150 and they'll buy your Bitcoin they'll hold from it. you. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope for the best. So how did you go about buying Bitcoin? Because I know this is a process that is a little bit daunting to people. I know there's public sites. Yeah, there's public sites. There's, you know, like Coinbase or CoinHouse or there's a number of them. Um, you know, I just Google it and uh, find the best ones for you. Um, the ones with the, you know, that have the highest approval ratings. It's uh it's pretty it's pretty simple. You can buy using a credit card. They'll ask for your name and, and, and information. Nothing like uh, you know, for your you have to have your name and your credit card or you can buy it through uh, local person to person interactions. So if somebody's on the street, you know, you go to a website and uh, they'll hook you up with people who are buying and selling in your area and you meet them personally and uh, download it on a computer or thumb thumb drive and things of that nature. That's crazy. So you can have your digital wallet on your, I know that Bitcoin users use a digital wallet, functions on any smartphone. Yeah. So you can, if you, you buy them online, you can just transfer it directly to your, the only one yes. I've ever used is Coinbase, which yeah. only sells Bitcoin and Ethereum. So I don't know right. how you would get other digital currencies. We're talking about, you know, Bitcoin. If, if Bitcoin is the first, maybe it's not the last. Um, right. If it is, you know, digital currency is the future. Because if you look at money and you look at you know, how we've moved from shells to coins to, you know, check notes that European settlers would use across oceans to, you know, credit cards. It, it is like where money is evolving alongside of us. Well, yeah. I mean, in Kenya, they use they use digital currencies via, you know, cell phones. So okay. it's, a, it's the same thing. So nobody carries money in Kenya. They go to, you know, you want to buy, you know, fruit from the grocery stand. You, you, e you email, you text them your information using this app and... Uh, you know, you can spend $2 on an apple or whatever it is. So it's already there. It's just we have to wait, maybe. Do you think Bitcoin will be the one to take off? or? Well, I think Bitcoin will, will always be there. And it has the first mover advantage. I think it's worth $14 billion in total now, which is a tremendous amount of money. Nobody spends $14 billion on something they don't believe in. I think uh, it'll be eclipsed probably eventually by something that's backed by you know, the the banks, ironically, and, and uh, you know, I think Ethereum is backed by Microsoft and and Morgan Stanley. It's got a lot of web developer. Um, yeah. I know it was a young guy that developed it. He's 23, and I think, 21. There's another one that's backed by IBM. Mm -hmm, they have one. Yeah. And so, so the question is, what is it really? Is it just going to be another form of, you know, a credit card, or is it going to be an autonomous... So, if, so this is what I'm saying. If, if you want an autonomous, you know, non-centralized free market currency, you go for Bitcoin. If you want, you know, trust in big names and, you know, probably ease of use and things like that, Ethereum will probably eclipse it. So there's your answer. 
maybe. Right. <laughs> kind of. I see the thing is I'm still trying to figure out, um, you know, we're looking at which ones will have, because at first there's just, you know, there's one digital currency. Now we're having other digital currencies that have specific traits and make them better. Like I know there's one digital currency out there that is instant transactions, and it's right. the only thing on the market that does. So that makes it separate from Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, Ethereum has a stronger algorithm, and I know the Ethereum goes way beyond my web developer experience. So whenever I read about it, I'm like, oh, that's a well, lot. Well, my understanding is that the blockchain elements that are involved with Ethereum are much more sophisticated and allow for more um, complex transactions, you know, than is available in Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's first mover, it's also the simplest. So as we move forward, and Bitcoin might possibly become a part of our everyday life, um, do you think investors kind of have to invest big sums in these digital currencies to see rewards, or do you just invest like small amounts? It's the, it's the play money. Yeah, the thing is, Bitcoin is a, uh, you know, I wouldn't go. I mean, it, you know, it depends on everybody's specific risk reward relation. You know what what they want to risk, but. Uh, you can invest ten dollars in Bitcoin. I mean, you don't need to invest eleven eighty. You don't need it, to buy the full Bitcoin. No, you can buy a tenth of a Bitcoin, or I think it goes out to four decimal points or something. I know it breaks <laughs> way down. I'm trying to remember like the smallest one, and they say it can be broken down even more. So yeah. if it gains more value, it can be broken down even further. Right. So if you want to put in a hundred bucks and see what happens, and you know, gain your confidence, then do that. That's good to know. I think right. that a lot of people are kind of alienated. They see that big price tag now, and they're like, nope, I'm out. Right. Just yeah. make sure you back it up and don't lose it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drop your phone in the water. Did you hear the one story? There's like some, I can't remember his name. He's a millionaire that, or he invested in Bitcoin. He bought like, I think he was $70 worth of Bitcoin. It was worth like $7 million and he lost yeah. the hard drive. He went and like scrounged through a dump. He's like, I got, got to find it. Never did. Mm. Seagulls have it. So somewhere <laughs> out there. <laughs> If you want to make $7 million in Bitcoins, go to the dump. <laughs> you might just find one. Okay. Well, Christian, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you. And um, Bitcoin is kind of an ongoing discussion here. We are excited about it. We're optimistic. Uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a wonderful night. <laughs>